This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello, I'm Jacob Feldman. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the focus group of many sports business podcasts, The Sportacast. Jacob Feldman, our returning champion, excited to have you back uh, on, on the Sportacast podcast. Fourth time, long time, right? That's what they say. Uh, no, thanks, <laughs> thanks for having me out. We don't need to mention the fact that Scott is, I think, what, over the Atlantic right now or something. No, it's an honor. Always a pleasure. I know you, you were dying to talk to me today, and, and I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited. I, and I made that, that, that joke, focus group of many at the beginning there. Scott, people who listen to this show often understand and they know Scott likes to refer to his son Jackson as his focus group of one very often around new tech, new media, the, the fun and glitzy futuristic parts of, of, of our industry. And that is the stuff that that you cover. Uh, probably, you know, this stuff way better than, than almost anybody else in this industry. And I find myself very often when, when Scott and I are, are talking deep into these things where he and I, we know a bit about it, but we're maybe not experts in this world. Just thinking in the back of my head, man, I wish Jacob was here because <laughs> he would have, I think he'd have a lot better insight uh, and information about these things than, than either Scott or I would. No, I appreciate that. I'll try to live up to that, that billing, but uh, I don't know if you want my thoughts kind of in your head all the time. They, they go some, you know, some places maybe you want to turn me off eventually, <laughs> but uh, happy to, you know, 20, 20 minutes of me, I think people can handle. I think that's true of everybody. Well, we, we, we can start off. I, I don't know if you listened to the show from earlier this week, but but Scott and I got into this conversation about the, the the ancillary things that sports media companies offer when they sign big broadcast deals. And the easiest way I think most people can think about these things is ESPN. When you are an ESPN property, you get messaged and mentioned more maybe on studio shows. The ESPN.com is extremely popular. The ESPN app is really popular. You may get prioritized there. There's a lot of things that ESPN offers in addition to whatever the tens of millions of homes that the cable network is in for the broadcasts. And then you have new companies like Apple Plus and, and, and folks over at MLS. I've talked to them. I'm sure you have as well. Really touting some of the benefits of being in the Apple universe, including Apple's mm-hmm. podcasting app, one of the biggest in, in the world or in the country, Apple News, another way in which a lot of Americans are getting their news, getting priority and things like that. I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether the dynamic is shifting between ESPN being maybe the, the group that has the best pitch in that <laughs> regard. There's a lot of IP, obviously, that Disney owns as well. and We can get into that. Sure. But, but how you think about groups like Amazon and Apple kind of refining and, and, and flexing other parts of their business that are not directly related to the streaming themselves that may be really enticing for leagues. 
Yeah, yeah. And I will say I did listen earlier this week. And I think you guys pretty much nailed it. I agree entirely with, with what you were saying that short term, two to three years, I'm, I, I'm going ESPN. Long term, it's a bet. It's a gamble, right? I, I think Apple and Amazon will tell you that they can do more. And I think you, you mentioned the litany of things. Amazon obviously has tons of customer data. We're going to see next year with this Black Friday NFL game, if they're able to kind of bring in all those people that are going to be on the website that day, turn them into football fans. That's going to be a fascinating experiment in a number of ways. Uh, but it's still largely unproven, right? The MLS thing we, we haven't seen yet. Um, and so I, I think it depends really on how big of a risk you want to take with your league. And when it comes to these deals, in, in so many cases, media is, as you know, the primary driver for so many of these sports. I totally understand the uh, you know desire. Play it safe is, is even you know, underselling it, but to go with where the audience is right now, I totally get that. Uh, and, and we'll see whether that plays out uh, over the long term, whether Apple and Amazon can figure out a way to match. Like you said, I, I think going back to what you guys were saying earlier this week, to me, it's, it's the talk shows and their uh, following on social media and first take is at the top of that pyramid in terms of the biggest benefits that the league gets. You know, hockey's not on first take every morning. I don't know if it's been on any morning, uh, but that to me, I, I think is the biggest selling point as we get towards NBA and some of these other things when, when an executive sit down and make their pitch. I was kind of shocked in, in, in asking friends of mine, family members of mine about Apple news, mm-hmm. how many people either really knowingly or even kind of subconsciously <laughs> are getting a lot of their information just via the news function on their iPhones. I, that, that is something I assume is not going to go away anytime mm-hmm. soon just because of the market share that Apple has in the smartphone world. But that feels like a really yeah. big benefit for MLS. If there is indeed some ability for MLS to get a little bit more priority, maybe some geographic push notifications or just content yeah. around local teams, depending on where you are and where you're opening your iPhone. Um, that feels like a just part of a bigger thing that, that that Major League Soccer, I know, is really excited about exploring those opportunities with Apple. I think that's right. Last time I saw numbers, as far as I can recall, is 125 million monthly active users on Apple News. So you know, ESPN's in about 60 million households. So it's it's more than double that <laughs> yeah. if you just want to compare those numbers. Um, that's interesting. But I, but but when you mention this, there's also a U2 effect. You know what I'm referencing when when I say I, that? I do. Yeah, when the when they yes. pushed every, put that that album on everybody's uh, everybody's iTunes. <laughs> sure, sure. And people revolted uh, over free music, and, and so. I think we'll see how wary Apple is about that, but I, I, I do think there's a blowback potential too if people are all of a sudden getting push notifications about a, a Seattle Sounders game that they don't care at all about. And and so that will be a line, again, when we go back, go back to experimentation, something that will have to be figured out in terms of how much of an advantage you can really push without turning people off. How much do you see companies like Apple and Amazon trying to build some of these things that ESPN has. And by that, I mean hiring reporters or or writers Mm -hmm. who are going to cover specific teams, maybe trying to build studio shows in some capacity and in in, in the way that first take exists. I mean, do do you think that these companies are, are are deep enough now, or maybe will be in a few years that economically that stuff makes sense? Or or do you think the, the, the utility of streaming is still more back to the core business and maybe not as much trying to build the entire ecosystem in the way that Disney has? Yeah, I, I think Amazon and Apple are trying to figure out how much of that they have to do. And so far, Amazon has done more. Amazon does have uh, a weekly football uh, studio show with, with a comedic bent. Actually, they're trying to go a different direction with that. Um, and so they've been more forward in terms of hiring talent. They they also, you know, obviously have pregame, postgame for, for Thursday Night Football um, than, than Apple has. I am very curious with you, you know, whether 
am going back to the NBA because again, that's the next big deal up. You know, we talked about the NFL for years now. It's the NBA's turn. Um, whether they can hire a Shams or a Woj or somebody like that, whether they want to have somebody like that on their platform so that it says, you know, according to Apple, according to Amazon at the ticker or on Twitter or whatever. Um, they haven't taken that step yet, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if they do. Uh, but I, I would go back more to, I think that they see their advantage is the things you already said of reaching the, the users that are already on those platforms. And Apple has hired, you know, some sports editors to kind of handle the content within news uh, rather than writers. And, and, and also to iterate on how the games are, are displayed or what you have access to, or you go back to Sunday ticket, maybe there's a way to kind of tweak the, the way the access works there. I think that's where they'd rather play than in the studio content uh, and especially writing uh, world for better or worse. Another thing I kind of kept, I kept hearing over the past couple of years. And, and in some ways I think this exclusive Thursday night Amazon football stream is kind of dispelling that, but where are we right now with the technology and just the ability to, host consistently huge multi-million person audiences for live streaming with, with sports betting the, the the latency becomes critical I've, I've ranted a bit on this on the <laughs> podcast uh, before as well uh, do you feel like we're, we're turning a corner where the ability to do this is is no longer really a, a hurdle or are we it, it, am I jumping the gun there yeah I would say we've turned the corner if you are willing to spend the money to turn the corner. Uh, these big companies, you know, Amazon, Apple, Netflix have invested so much in a lot of cases in hardware all around the country so they can deliver these feeds smoothly. They can do it. Uh, you know, Amazon's not going to go down because you're trying to log into your account. The, some of these smaller, uh, you know, we go back to, uh, no longer with us streaming service. BR Live had some issues when, when they were trying to host uh, a golf event, you know, three, four years ago. So if you're smaller, if you're one-off, if you're trying to do a, you know, a mass authentication spike at the beginning of an event, maybe you will have issues, but they're preventable if you're willing to spend. And, and the same goes to, to latency. We saw, um, the NBA made, made a big deal out of their new app this year, cut latency down to what you should expect in line with what, if you're watching on cable. Um, and that's in partnership with Microsoft, you know, another massive company with, uh, servers all over the world. So, it can be done. We're getting there. I think that is less of an issue, especially as, you, as we talk about these four or five, 10 year deals. I think that will be solved uh, finally uh, by, by the time we, we're really talking about these kind of packages uh, moving to streaming. Scott and I touched on this very briefly last week, but I'm sure you saw the, the Clippers announcement of, of, of what they're trying to do or, or what they're, what they are doing in terms of, of, of rolling out a, a digital service for their local rights. It's six streams. One of them is Spanish. One of them is Korean language, yeah. but the other four are in English and are, I think kind of little embodiments of a lot of the trends we've seen. The, the Manning cast is, is a format that they're trying to replace with, uh, Baron Davis, Paul Pierce, and Jamal Crawford. There's a, a a stream that has animated overlays on it. Feels very similar to Nickelodeon and 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 what NFL did with right. those playoff games. There's the stat heavy one. There's the regular basic RSN feed <laughs> as well. Uh, I guess I, I, don't, I don't believe regular basic is the term they're going with, but yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. Ap apologies to to Bally's, uh, <laughs> for that. Um, it, this is, I, I think, kind of the first really big scale narrow casting option that that a team has ever given at the and maybe local i'm level, wrong yes. about that at the, at the local level um i am really curious which of these streams is most popular how they see mm -hmm. the breakdown um in, in my gut i feel like the, the the standard television broadcast is going to be the overwhelming favorite right. and maybe that says something about actually how popular mm -hmm. a lot of these options are but but yeah i'd love to hear your thoughts on on how you think 
one, the breakdown is going to be maybe just among those four yeah. English language streams, because there's obviously people that are going to prefer them. And there's obviously people who are going to be feel way more comfortable with the thing that they've always had. Yeah. My bet would be 70% standard feed, uh, whatever they're calling it. Uh, 20, 15 to 20%, the, the baller vision, I believe is what they're calling it. Kind of having the stars, having the personalities that you're watching along with. And then the rest that the 10 to 15% is probably divvied between hardcore stats and, and kids, uh, would be my bet, you know, cause those, those things are really for people who really want to lean into these things, you know, the super serve element that is, is what media executives love to call it. And that, that slice is just smaller than people that want to throw the game on in the background while they're eating dinner, while they're watching, which I think is still going to main, remain, you know, the large, uh, percentages, but it, it is obviously going to be a little different because these are people who are paying for the service. And so maybe, you're not going to pay for the service unless you really care about one of those alternate streams. We may see a little bit more, but we've seen that, you know, you mentioned the Manning cast. I think that is, that's kind of peaked out at 10 to 15% of the main broadcast in terms of viewership. And obviously that's slightly impacted by ESPN versus ESPN two and just kind of general habits on that front. But even all the, all the press it's gotten, it is not kind of bumped up a bit beyond 15% of, of the overall audience. So that's where I expect things to land. I, I do want to say uh, I did take some offense uh, to Scott calling them narrow casts. Uh, you know, I, I must prefer the term alt cast. I'm, I'm trying to make alt, alt cast the thing. Um, narrow cast, it's nice. And, and broadcast, I, I get the, the play there. Uh, but, you know, alt cast is, is how I will be referring to them from now on this point forward. So are, are you, I'm curious, on Monday nights, are you a Buck and Aikman guy? Or when you have the, the Eli and Peyton option, are you, are you watching most of your Monday night football there? When I have the Eli and Peyton option, I'm watching my football there almost entirely. I'm trying to think, you know, I... I Week one and two, actually, it's kind of funny because you know, Buck and Aikman were kind of the experimental new thing. So I did dabble there a little bit, not not new overall, but new to ESPN. Uh, but I do find myself coming back to, to Peyton and Eli. Uh, and, and I thought this Monday was a perfect encapsulation of why to have, you know, the president on. It, it, it's fascinating to think that, you know, that I, I, I don't know if you kind of ever go through this with Scott, but trying to think about like dream gets for, for the podcast. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, a, TV, high, yeah. if you're a TV show, you know, regardless of kind of what the content is and regardless of what your politics are, I, I have to imagine the former president of the United States is, you know, one, two or three uh, on, on the list of, of dream gets. And, and so for him to go to this Peyton and Eli thing that was kind of just a year ago, no one knew what it was going to be. It was this experiment who was going to watch this thing. And all of a sudden that's where, you know, the president, former president ahead of an election trying to get a get out the vote message on goes I actually read uh, from our friends at Axios. I think it started. Uh, the ball got rolling at a golf game with Peyton Manning, Larry David, and Barack Obama was how this started. Which they is, showed a photo of that on the, yeah, on the television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, if we could get a camera there, I don't even know if I need the football game. You know, <laughs> give me that give me that for three hours and, and I'll probably be set. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a perfect example of kind of what this show is able to do. Uh, and it's just different. I watched a ton of football on Sunday, and so that's a big factor, too, is I get my feel of traditional, you know, standard basic, what do you call it? Standard regular basic uh, broadcast. <laughs> yeah, ba- basic boring. Whatever. Basic regular. Yeah, exactly. No, great podcast, but I, I'm ready for something different by Monday night and that's what they give. I, I, I thought the, 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 the Manning cast, I watched a bunch of it this weekend. Also watched the, the Barack interview, watched a lot of the Bill Burr, didn't catch a lot of the Vince Vaughn. Um, the, the, my partner, not an NFL fan at all can probably count on on one hand the amount of times I've seen her sit down and watch any bit of a Monday night football game but she sat on the couch and watched a bit of Barack Obama just because she heard his voice and <laughs> yeah, she was curious sure. what it was uh, so th- I think there's obviously uh, definitely some benefits there I was also thinking and, and we can expand this to other sports but just how perfect the NFL is from a gameplay standpoint to have 
both this format and the red zone format, which is obviously tremendously popular and how a lot of people watch their, their Sunday football, but just because of the built-in breaks and because of the, the nature of there's seven scores a game and it's a very linear thing. You move <laughs> down the field, you're more likely to score. Sure. Unlike other sports where things kind of build towards the end of the game, there, 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 there's so many peaks and troughs of interest in NFL games that are kind of predictable ahead of time to a degree. It makes, I think, a lot of these formats just really easy to do in 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 football in a way that I haven't watched the Clippers version of the Manning cast, but I imagine it's just a little bit more difficult to mm-hmm. to, to go to the Telestrator and, and 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 show up some play, or if you happen to miss a play, you know, I think there's a it, it's a bit different for those sports, and I wonder if that's why I, I know there was an MLB Whip Around show at some point. I think with Apple, if I'm correct, the Zone yeah, had one for a while, but yes, now Apple does own, have, right. have one uh, as well. Okay. And I'm actually a huge fan. I don't know if I've, I've uh, touted the show before, but MLB Tonight on MLB Network. I think it's a fantastic whip around show that I wish was on more often and more people watch, but, but I, I, I hear your point, but continue. And, and are they, I, I'm curious cause it, it Lev Akabas are the, the, the person who does the data viz on our, on our website. He's a huge NBA fan. He has been talking for a while about wanting to do, uh, wanting to have a really good red zone version for NBA. I imagine that only works if a lot, if almost none of the stuff is live, if you are just instead kind of turning it into the first two hours on a, on a, on a weeknight is just here's fun plays that just happened. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to catch an important moment, just randomly in the second quarter of the Knicks Bulls game, you just wait until there's a cool dunk and you just <laughs> jump to that and, and show it until you get to that point in each of these games where we're in the fourth quarter and things actually are materially important to the way the game works. But it just seems like it is, it is a way bigger hurdle for a lot of sports and maybe baseball because there are a lot of stops and starts baseball. You get runners on base. There's more likely to be run scored. Baseball works its way. I think a little bit better than, than some other sports, but it is interesting to me just how I I don't think it's a coincidence that, that the NFL seems to be doing a lot of these things first, just because it's, it's Mm -hmm. the behemoth, but it also just seems like it kind of falls in, in football's lap just because (laughs) of the structure of the game, both in the macro and the micro sense. Yeah, I mean, football has gotten lucky so many times, and I, it must be so frustrating if you're, you know, an executive or an owner in one of these other leagues. Like, even going back to, like, fantasy football, it just works so much better than any other yep. sports version of fantasy. And I think you hit it, you know, Red Zone is another great example where a, a game is going to be, you can watch basically five or six football plays from a game and know exactly what happened. It's not how almost any other sport works. Maybe uh, baseball, if you catch the right five or six, but even then, you know, you have to see how the runner got on base, et cetera, et cetera. As you said, these things kind of build. Uh, and that's another, and, and the Manicast, I think, is a, yet another one where those, what makes the show so good is in the past, ESPN, as it was working with building out its altcast, uh, strategy, if I will, um, did, kind of broke it into two, two ways. It was coaches film room where you'd have these hardcore coaches kind of grumbling and mumbling and telestrating. And then there was more cultural thing where you'd have the celebrity come on and, it was kind of for, for, for newbies or beginners or people who didn't really care about the game. And the Mannings are able to do both because, like you said, you can they can get up, they can go do the Telestrator for 30 seconds when there's an interception or a touchdown. Then they can sit back down and have a casual conversation without feel like you're missing anything from the game. And so it, it really does work that way. I, I do think you know the NBA is trying to figure out its own way of doing things. And maybe maybe it's not fair to say the NFL is lucky. Maybe it's smart that it has devised uh, these things that fit its game so well. Yeah. Uh, and, and the NBA is trying to do that as well. The, the new app will kind of bring you to live. So, um, you know, it's 9 p.m. The, the Grizzlies game has been on for an hour and a half. You open it. It'll show you highlight, 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 10, 
you know, the 10 highlights, key highlights from the game and then take you right into the live game to catch the fourth quarter. I think that's a really interesting model um, to work from and maybe going forward rather than showing you 10 Grizzlies highlights, it'll show you your 10 fantasy team highlights or your 10 highlights based on what you bet and then whip you around, you know, in the final few minutes as your bets get decided as your fantasy matchup gets decided. I think so that you and I, good. if we were watching the same yeah, yeah. thing, theoretically, we would just be seeing totally different things. Yes, yes. And people yeah. have hacked this together. Um, there, there was one for baseball a while ago using the old MLB TV where I could put in my fantasy team. I could put in the games, the teams I cared about. Uh, and then it had an algorithm to kind of rank, okay, here's the most important, highest leverage situation for you and hop you around. And so uh, that, I think, it will, will come for, for all these sports football included. Uh, in the meantime, you know, it is a bunch of producers just trying to figure it out. And, and like you said, basketball is much more of a highlight sport than, than a live sport in many ways. I think that's, I think that's a great idea. Is, is that, and you said people have hacked it together. Is that Mm -hmm. like, is that doable? Like, is that something, again, it it feels like the kind of thing that that I hear it and I'm like, that's a great (laughs) idea that should totally exist. Mm -hmm. And I could see someone who works at MLB.com being like, oh my God, the the, the (laughs) amount of tech you need to do that and do it properly at scale without lag is is X difficult. These are things that Google or Apple or Amazon could do tomorrow. I mean, the YouTube algorithm is insanely smart at predicting what you want to watch, when you want to watch it, and what you want to watch next. Uh, and, and so could, they could fairly easily do that. You, you feed in 30 you know, baseball games, and based on what you watched yesterday and who you follow on Twitter, it can probably predict what you want to watch next. And the, you know, the leverage thing is, is fairly straightforward analytics. It, it can be done. It's just a matter of, A, getting the rights together, going back to like this MLS Apple thing. You need all the rights. Uh, you need an ability to show you know, as much of the game or as little of the game, that's another big aspect is, you know, sometimes the cut-ins are limited, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you need the rights and then you need uh, the ideas. And so that's, that, that is the pitch from Apple, Amazon, Google is give us those things. We can, you know, revolutionize and, and grow your audience. So much of this, I think kind of, again, you, you, a lot of this is possible if you're willing to pay for it, as you said, kind of right at the beginning. Um, and I think that so much of, fans sports fans right now varies by league but so much of sports fans are at an age or at a level of tech willingness or eagerness that just doesn't make this applicable for them mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. right and every year theoretically we the, the amount of the percentage of, of fans out there of a certain sport that are interested in some kind of a fantasy centric personalized yeah. uh, nba whip around streaming option <laughs> probably gets a little bit bigger it would yeah. be interesting to see when we hit the point at which either it's a league or either it's a group like Amazon or, or Apple just deems it worth the time to suddenly invest all this stuff, right? To, to, to suddenly we, we have a, a critical mass or mm-hmm. something close to that of fans who might want this option. That to me is the not narrow casting, all casting. I'm going to change the language. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Moving yeah. Forward. The challenge to all casting just feels like the, the more you fractionalize it, the less any one thing is interesting. And then is it, is it worth the financial, upfront investment. Do you know what the, what the Manning, what the, what the financial situation is with Omaha productions and ESPN and, and, and the way that comes together? Because again, it, it just for the amount of people that watch it, even though there's avid people who love it, I think you and I might be both in that category. It's just not, as you said, it's not, it's not doing anything close to what the normal broadcast is. Most of those people, myself included, maybe <laughs> you as well, would probably watch the ESPN one if the Manning cast wasn't right. an option. Sure. Right. So yeah, I think it's interesting to think about when we hit a point where 
something that is deliberately deemed to be less popular than the thing that exists right now, when that becomes financially worth it to really totally. in, invest time and, and manpower into. Yeah, I, I think what I'm hoping we'll see is that we'll get both, right? Like, and, and again, coming back to this next NBA deal, is there a way to give Amazon the power to create this special, you know, hybrid, whatever version of this whip around thing while giving CNC and ESPN the actual games and, and can they both be happy that way? And, and a lot of times you're not maximizing the money that way because you want, you want all of your audience in one place because that's how you sell ads. That's how you make people happy. You know, that's the reason we don't have a lot of, a lot more all cast. ESPN is in a unique situation because it has that sister cable network. They can put these things on in a way that CBS and Fox don't. And that's why we don't see as many of those, uh, on Sundays. So it, it is, it ultimately, I think, it, as I think you said, it, it's an economic, you know, problems to be solved. Unfortunately, it's it's not it's not a viewer behavior thing. And so many times, these are things that are feasible. It's just a question of dollars and cents. Before we go, I want to make sure we touch on um, NFTs, which I think if you had picked a random Sportico story published uh, twelve months ago, there was uh-huh. a decent chance that it might be about this. Sure, uh, and maybe may written by you. Um, and now, obviously, the, the market is in a very different place. Crypto is in a very different place. You wrote something last week over at Sportico, uh, just about how much NBA Top Shot, the, the, the marketplace has changed. And, and really, it's about a lot more than that. It's about mm-hmm. how sports is thinking about mm-hmm. this thing that was extremely popular for a, for a white hot second last year and is now coming back to reality. Uh, w- what do you hear about w- where things stand right <laughs> now? Uh, I assume NFTs are not dead, but what is the sports approach right now to, again, something that, that, that launched really quickly and then, and then came back to earth? Yeah, I think, you know, in the short term, and if the top shop boom and, and, and falling bust was bad for NFTs reputation among fans, right? I think a lot of people, and, and maybe rightly so, dismissed it and said, oh, I don't need to worry about this. I'm glad I didn't lose money on this. You know, this was, all, this was crazy from the beginning. Forget it. At the same time, Every other league besides the NBA was like, oh, boy, we need to get into this. You know, what is our NFT strategy? Who are we partnering with? And we saw a litany. You know, I mentioned the story. The NFL PA has four different NFT partnerships that it signed in the last year. So it's got two video Mm -hmm. game partners, uh, a collectible partner uh, and a fantasy partner. Uh, And the um, person leading that charge over there said there's a couple more coming that that they still have their eyes on even additional categories. And we're seeing the NHL is, is about to launch its own NFT platform. And so while at the same time, you know, Top Shot and maybe convinced consumers they don't need to care about this yet, it convinced the leagues and the rights holders that they do need to care about this because there is an opportunity here. So, you know, maybe it was all hype a year ago, but that hype was enough to kind of fund a whole new cycle of evolved products and new experiments, and maybe they will find a way to make it work. And so now they're, they're looking at a variety of things. Collectibles was the obvious first step because of trading cards and kind of the history and uh, and, and also it was easy. They had these YouTube highlights laying around. If people want to pay for them, sure, go for it. Uh, so the next step is going to be much more complicated. Um, you know, it involves integrating with existing ticket partners. It involves integrating with existing media partners. You know, getting NFTs deeper and, and, and the blockchain deeper into this business is going to take a lot of time. It's going to take, you know, um, other partnerships expiring potentially. Uh, but there is, I, I think, you know, and the more I talk to, you know, leagues and teams, that they possibilities. Here and and I think it's funny because fans and don't seem to be calling out for a lot of these solutions. Um, so it's going to be kind of a two-step thing of figuring out how to do it and then figuring out how to sell people on it. Because I do still think there are benefits. You know, the the if I can take you into kind of you know hypothetical world again, we did it on the streaming side, on the, on the NFT side. You know, imagine you're 
buying a, a, a ticket to a game um, and you buy it on, on an NFT platform. And what you get is a custom ticket. And it's got, you know, say it's a basketball game. It's got one of the players, uh, a, a picture on them. And, and at the end of the game, if you have the player who scored the most points or was the player of the game, you get 10% off your next ticket or you get a free taco. You know, there's a gamified element and maybe you're trading those tickets with friends during the game. Maybe you need to collect all three of the top scores you're trading in the middle of the game. And maybe every time you go to a game, you're because this is all being tracked on the same platform, you get better and better odds of getting the best player. Or maybe if you get the three the same player three times over the course of the season, you know, you get a free ticket the next year. There's, there's all these ways to actually reward fans for interacting with the team largely unrewarded. And, and I think that's really going to be important for sports to figure out a way to deepen that connection because so many other realms, whether it's music, whether it's video games, are keeping track of these things and are pulling people deeper and deeper into the net. So the, the fan in me heard mm-hmm. that and was like, that sounds amazing. Like, that sounds really cool. I can imagine myself kind of liking that. I can certainly imagine people younger than me loving that. The sports business journalist in me <laughs> hears that and thinks, are, are, are any teams or leagues have the expertise and the wherewithal to pull that off. I, I often think of, of, of sports actually as, as a place where there, there needs to be so much more innovation and sure. innovation comes really slowly. Uh, yeah, I, again, I, I hear that and I'm like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I don't believe that sports has the ability to be that sophisticated from a, from a tech and engagement standpoint right now. And maybe I am totally off on that and tell me if I am. No, I, I don't. I mean, again, I think we can say it over and over again. If they wanted to do it, they could, right? It's a question of, of yeah, incentive. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and you're right. They they have much bigger problems to solve. They need to get people to come to the games before they figure out how to reward people for coming to the games. You know, that, I think that these are there's short term issues that they have to face. You know, concession prices, concession lines, uh, you know, premium tickets and, and reselling season tickets. Like this is a business that very much needs to be actively managed, and, and, and so there is less time to kind of come up with these pie in the sky things. And there's also a huge downside risk, right? You, you fan loyalty is very fickle uh, and it's more fickle than it ever was. And so you don't want to screw this up. You don't want to, you know, end up giving them some sort of NFT token that they think is valuable. And all of a sudden the next day it's not valuable. And now people are mad at your team, both because they lost on Sunday and because you lost them a hundred bucks because they thought this was something that was going to be a long-term investment. And so I totally understand a ton of risks and, and it's not the top priority for any of these teams. And that's why it is going to, it's going to take a while, but behind the scenes that are conversations happening. There are smaller tests happening, whether it's newer leagues, whether it's, you know, I think one-off events are going to be a fascinating area. Maybe it's a tennis tournament that wants to try this where, you know, you get one athlete and, uh, you know, you can, you can see them after the game if you have the NFT ticket with, with them uh, on it. Uh, maybe it's one-off kind of soccer friends, whatever. I think we're going to see these experiments uh, over the next few years. But, yeah, these, these you know, big four major team sports, mm-hmm. it's going to be a long time, if ever, before they have, have the incentive to, to take this risk, take this jump, and make this investment. We we made it twenty eight uh-uh. minutes into this episode without mentioning the metaverse. Oh, I'm sure. gonna do it right before we go. <laughs> uh, another word that felt extremely buzzy a while ago, and 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 maybe that's cooled off a little bit. Um, you've written a lot about the metaverse and and how it relates to sports. Give me an update on kind of how you see. Did did we jump the gun? Did people rush in too early? Is it just simmering under the surface? Where do you see sports in the metaverse? Right now? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Those are interesting options. I, I would say it's it's moving. It's it's evolving. I think the biggest area uh, of growth has been in the recreational side of things uh, and the gaming side of things, where there now are. You know, this, this company, Win Reality, a baseball VR game where you can, it, it, you know, amateur baseball players training. You can see 
try to try to recognize a pitch in, in VR, you can, you know, get a lot more reps that way. We're seeing the same thing in hockey, the same thing in tennis. There's actually a fascinating one um, for officiating to let officials, you know, be on the baseline trying to judge a, a block charge. You can see it a thousand different times. You can view everyone from the last year um, in VR. So that the training, that aspect of it has moved a lot farther than the media aspect. There still isn't, um, you know, really a, a strong use case for watching games in VR. And there, it's really going to be a social element because you're going to want your friends there. And that's, you know, kind of been the pitch of, can I create my sports bar where I'm sitting with my friends, I'm watching the six different games, um, those kinds of things. And, and, and that's going to take time because social is hard. Obviously, you're going to have to, you know, build up a network effect and, and get your friends on this and everyone's going to buy a $300 headset. Uh, everyone's still waiting for, for Apple's headset, supposedly maybe early next year at this point. Um, see what that looks like. It's been early next year for, I don't know, a couple of years now. Uh, Facebook, obviously, Meta is, is continuing to push in this category. So there's still big money behind it. Um, but, you know, I, I if uh, the president of a, of a team came to me and said, I'm either going to invest in the time and energy and, and everything, the resources and figure out how to put my games in VR or how to, you know, make tickets more engaging experience, I, I would point to the latter. I think there's more to be gained in the short term of kind of gamifying the experience, tracking the experience, rewarding the experience in person in the real world. Then they're trying to recreate all of that virtually. Well, before that happens, Jacob, I'm sure you will be on with us again. That is Jacob Feldman, Sportico's expert in new tech and new media. You can find him on Twitter at Jacob Feldman 4. I'm Evan Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. The show is produced by Matt Whitehurst. Shout out to Matt. This is the Sportacast. It is the home of what will soon become, and Scott has said this, and I will back it up at this point. Before soon after become the, the Sportico. Before after. <laughs> I, I say before. All right, there you morning, go. Uh, we will expand into the Sportico media network. <laughs>